You are listening to audio from New Life Foursquare. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org. Well, summer is almost over, and I don't know about you, but my kids are going to school this week. Thank God, they've been just lounging around doing nothing, um, but actually, um, it's, it's good that they can go back to school, um, and it's amazing just how quickly summer went by. Thanks, Dan, I don't need that today, but I'm good, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to use this. Bear with me here. So um, last, it's just amazing how quickly summer just flew by. We had VBS last month. Uh, and for those of you who've ever been like really involved in VBS, VBS means vacation Bible school, right? How many volunteers do we have for vacation Bible school? Anyone here? A lot of you, right? How many of you know that it is not a vacation to do vacation Bible school, right? It is a whole lot of work. Um, but it's important work, and it's work that we put our time and effort into doing because it was, it, it was important for the spiritual growth of our children and their families and even our volunteers. Amen? So this month, Pastor Ken and all our pastors have been amping up this Love Well conference. This is for you adults uh, to get your spiritual health uh, in order, and so we ask that you would just consider investing in that um, wonderful conference. We have people working tirelessly behind the scenes to make sure you get every, you get your money's worth for this conference. Okay, so like uh, Sister Maya said, Pastor Mike's out there. He's gonna have cookies, and uh, we hope that you sign up today. Well, um, we're in this uh, series called Life's Greatest Lessons, and with all the activities that have been happening over the summer, uh, our pastors have taken uh, time to just trade um, vacation time, so we, we took our own weekends off. A couple of weekends ago, I got to take some time off with my family and with several other families from New Life, and we got a chance to just go camping and to get away from it all, and it was nice to get away. Now, as soon as we got to our campsite, um, there was, uh, we started setting up our tents, right? And we started setting up canopies for the food tent uh, uh, so, th so that the, the food table would be covered. And there was this one brand new canopy that we had just uh, purchased. And I opened it up, and the box said 60-second setup, 60-second setup. So I briefly glanced at the instructions like a second. I just, I just, I'm like, I know how to do this. It's, it's easy. How long could it take? It's 60 seconds, right? Well, five minutes later, um, I was struggling to snap in the poles, the, the legs. And so all the other adults in our group, they, they, we were trying to get this thing erected, and it was taking us so much time to do it. And we were wondering, I think this thing is defective. We're going to return it because Amazon has a great return policy, right? Now, after 10 minutes, one of the, the wise gals in our group decided to, to, to read the instructions, right? It's for sure it was a lady that had to um, read the instructions. And it didn't take so long before we realized that the poles to this thing were supposed to go on the outside of the canopy and not on the inside, which we were trying to do. Now, if you're used to putting up canopies, the poles are on the inside, but this one, they're smiling, and 60 seconds it's supposed to be erected with the poles on the outside. So it took us 30 minutes to put this thing up, 
And during this time, our children are watching us fail at putting this thing up. And my son blurts out, you guys should have just read the directions. And I, was a, I wanted to scold him and tell him to be quiet at that moment because we were all tired already and stressed out. But you know what? It was a humbling lesson. The lesson is when you have directions, you ought to read them and you ought to follow them so that you can save yourself minutes and hours of just strain and, and, and stress and difficulty, right? The same goes with our lives. God has given us instructions to live our lives. And how often do we try to do it on our own? Um, but he has given us the Bible. And the Bible, I'll leave you with this free lesson. The Bible means, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. So you can write that down. We got to live our lives according to God's word. It'll, it'll take a whole lot of difficulty uh, out of our lives. Amen? Amen? All right. So back to camping. We had a great time other than that failed uh, experiment uh, in the first uh, few hours of camp. But one of the highlights of my camp or our camp was that I got to watch my son uh, catch his first fish. And so uh, if you don't follow me on Instagram or Facebook, it had been 20 years since I've caught a fish. It was a, a catfish about this big. And my son was able to catch a nice-sized catfish. Here's a better picture of it. It was that big. Probably 20 inches, around 12 to 14 pounds. Um, the only fish that we caught that day because my rod snapped in half after we hauled this thing in. And so it was, a, it was still a great experience. Uh, we ate it for dinner. Let me see. There it is. We ate it for dinner. He's still smiling, and then he's not. Um, <laughs> And of course, after catching a fish, you, we can all learn a lesson from catching fish. Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men, right? So I want you to tell your neighbor, let's go fishing. All right, well, speaking of fish today, um, I'm going to tell, I'm going to share a story, another story from the Bible um, that involves a fish, and many of you are familiar with this story. It is from the book of Jonah. Everyone say Jonah. Jonah. Now, I'm going to share this in a first-person narrative. So it might be a little dorky. I'm going to become Jonah. I'm going to take on his character. So bear with me in that. Just pretend you're in Sunday school again, okay? I'm going to take the character of Jonah and give you his story uh, from his perspective. And so we know that the Bible is about 75% of story. It is God's story from beginning to end. And this particular book is a, is a prophetic book, and yet there's only a few words of prophecy in this book. The words of prophecy are, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's the only prophecy in this book, um, but the rest of the book is story. So it makes sense to share this as a story. Now, you can read along with me in the book of Jonah. You can read it later. It'll only take you about half an hour to read through this um, but I'm going to just briefly turn around and become Jonah. I didn't bring my outfit today, so you're going to have to bear with me. I'm just going to do the Clark Kent Superman transition, all right? So here comes the story of Jonah. Are you guys ready? Oh, are you ready? Children of all ages. All right. 
Good morning. I see somebody caught a fish here. That's a nice looking fish. It must have tasted really nice. Does anyone here like to eat fish? Yeah? yeah? Who's going to have fish later for lunch? Maybe? Come to your house and let's have some fish. Listen, folks, I don't like to eat fish. I can't stand it anymore. I used to eat a lot of fish, but not anymore. And if you would only know my story, you would understand why I can never eat another fish again. Fish are friends, not food. <laughs> now, my story's probably been told far and wide to hundreds and hundreds of thousands and millions of people, and some of them think, well, that story, it's just a myth. It's just a legend. And some have confused me for other characters like Ishmael. That's another tale with a different whale named Moby. My name is Jonah. And I come from the northern kingdom of Israel. Now, I'm a prophet of Yahweh, the Lord. Now, most other prophets, when they get introduced, they get the oohs and the ahs. Like, like, like um, there's uh, Elijah and Elisha. These prophets performed wonderful miracles. And then there's Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. They were known for their powerful oracles. So you had to listen to what they were saying. But when I get introduced, oh, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, here comes Jonah. People picture a marine biologist with a pet named Shamu. But I am a prophet. I was called by Yahweh to deliver the word of the Lord. I prophesied during the reign of King Jeroboam II. Now, King Jeroboam II was an evil king. And his dad was an evil king. And every king in the northern kingdom of Israel was an evil king. They did what was wicked in the sight of the Lord. So friends... Here's a free lesson for you. If you're ever going to become a parent and you want to name your child after a biblical character or a king in the Bible, do not ever pick a name of the northern kings of Israel, okay? They are horrible, horrible people, trust me. But even though I served during King Jeroboam uh, and his wicked reign, God showed favor upon my people. I prophesied that the borders of Israel would be restored and that her boundaries would be expanded, and God did so. He spared Israel from her enemies, especially her worst enemy, Assyria. No doubt I was enjoying my prophetic calling. God was showing mercy and, and, and grace to my people. And in spite of King Jeroboam's evil ways, my people enjoyed a time, a season of prosperity. But you see, one day my life as a prophet took the most unimaginable twist. I found myself waking up in the weirdest, most bizarre, most disgusting place you could ever imagine. It felt like I was stuck in a nightmare. I couldn't wake up. Have you ever had a dream where you just knew it wasn't real? You wanted to wake up, you wanted to snap out of it? 
But then I realized this wasn't a dream. This wasn't a nightmare. It was real. It was dark. It was wet. It was cold. And it smelled terrible. It reeked like concentrated fish sauce. It felt like I was bathing in caviar. And so it didn't take me very long to figure out where I was. Now, many of you do know my story, and you've probably heard some arguments and debates about whether or not I was inside a fish or a, or a, or, or a whale or the meg shark or a sea monster. Well, here's the thing. Let me just put an end to the debate. Back in my day, if it swam like a fish and looked like a fish and smelled like a fish, we called it a fish. And I was in a big one, a monster of a fish. It could have made tons of sashimi. Anyone here like sashimi? How about poke bowls? Made a ton of poke bowls too. But I don't eat that anymore, and I told you that already. But why was I there? Why was I in this fish? How did I get there? And then I remember that before I woke up, I had been hurled off a ship. There was a perilous storm, and sailors had thrown me overboard, and I was sinking to the bottom of the sea, wrapped in seaweed, awaiting my doom. I was as good as dead, and in fact, I wanted to die. I wanted to die because the sailors threw me overboard because I told them to, because I had disobeyed the word of the Lord. You see, God told me to be a prophet. He called me for that very purpose, but not just a prophet for my own people, but for another nation. And this other nation was Assyria. They were the enemies of my people. And he told me to go to their great capital city of Nineveh to deliver his word. He told me to warn them about their great wickedness. But see, you know what I was thinking? I was thinking that these Ninevites, these enemies of my people, they didn't even deserve to hear the word of the Lord. So I ran away from my calling. I went down to Joppa, and I paid the fare to get on the first boat sailing for Tarshish. I don't even know where Tarshish is. Tarshish is. All I knew that it was the opposite direction from Nineveh. And so I was trying to run away from my calling. And when I got on that boat, I went all the way to the bottom of the boat, and I tried to hide from everyone so that no one could find me and no one could bother me. I blatantly disregarded God's calling on my life. You see, I chose my own nationalistic pride and my ethnic prejudices over and above the covenant promise of God, that my people would be a blessing to other nations. Imagine God called me as his prophet to be a blessing to others, but these others, they were my enemies. Why would God want to pay attention to my enemies? They wanted to destroy my people. They wanted to enslave us. They sacrifice to idols. They worship false gods. They are not like us. Why should they get a chance to hear the word of the Lord? But then if you think about it, weren't we 
the same way? We weren't so different. My people rejected God. My people started worshiping false idols. My king did evil in the sight of the Lord. Look at us. We didn't, des- we didn't deserve God's goodness either. We deserved his wrath. And yet God relented. And God gave us, see- us a season of peace. He showed his mercy by sending prophet after prophet to warn us and to deliver us. And God, for some reason, chose to extend that very same warning to my enemies so that they too could get a chance to repent. And so as I sat there in the belly of that great fish, reflecting on my life and reflecting on God, I learned several important lessons that I want to share with you today. The first lesson is this. Yahweh is a pursuing God. No matter how much I tried to run away from his calling, no matter how much I tried to hide from his presence, he was after me. He was coming after me in hot pursuit. He hurled a great wind upon the the ship that I was on, a mighty storm that threatened to break it apart. And all the sailors were afraid and they were crying out to their own gods. And as they hurled cargo into the sea to lighten the load, they found me there at the bottom of the ship, laying down, snoring away. And they woke me up and the captain said, Who are you? Tell us who you are. Tell us where you came from. There's a storm that's about to break our ship apart. And the sailors cast lots, and the lot fell upon me. And they wondered, what have you done? And so I had to be honest with them, and I had to tell them my name was Jonah, and I was a prophet of Yahweh God, the God of heaven who made the earth and the sea. And it was my fault that we were in this storm, And that's all I had to say for these pagans to start believing in my God. And they asked me, so what are we we supposed to do with you now? And I told them, throw me overboard. It's all my fault. And they didn't want my blood on their hands. So they cried out to my God. And they tossed me overboard. And the storm ceased. You see... God heard the cry of these pagan sailors and he honored what little faith they had so that he saved their ship. Yahweh was pursuing me that day. I was called to be his prophet, but even though I ran away, I learned that I could never run or hide from the Lord. He sees all things. He knows all things. He's aware of everything that we do. Maybe you have been running from your calling. Maybe you've been trying to hide from the Lord's presence. Perhaps sin and doubt has led you to believe that God isn't even there. But I tell you today, friends, God is always there. And he's always in hot pursuit of us whenever we try to run away. He knows where we are. 
and he's coming after you. He's not coming to punish you, but he's coming to bring you back to him. Yahweh is a pursuing God. Secondly, Yahweh is a saving God. Now, I have no right to choose who gets saved and who doesn't get saved. God didn't have to save me, but he did. As I sank to the depths of the sea, God appointed a great fish to swallow me up and spare my life. For three days and three nights, this pathetic prophet was a passenger on the most unique and most uncomfortable submarine voyage. And during the wildest ride of my life, I could only wonder why the Lord didn't just let me die. It's what I deserved, death, because I blatantly disobeyed his command, because I tried to run away from his presence. And so from inside the belly of that fish, I prayed to Yahweh my God, And I said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple." The engulfing waters were at my throat. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Yahweh my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them, but I with shouts of grateful praise will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. I was drowning, not only in the sea, but in my blatant sin, and yet God rescued me. The Lord sent a great fish that day to save my life. But it didn't occur to me to thank God that he had saved the lives of those pagan sailors. Because God honored what little faith they displayed. He delivered them from their calamity. You see, salvation comes from the Lord. It's in the hands of the Lord. It doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from you. We are not saviors, nor can we ever prevent others from receiving salvation. Only God saves, and that's my God, the God I serve. He is a saving God. And so he commissioned me to deliver the word of the Lord to these pagans in Nineveh, and I didn't want to do it. It's as if I could hold their salvation in my hands. But instead I learned that It wasn't my right. It wasn't my duty to save. My duty was to obey the Lord's command and be an instrument of his blessing. So you too, you and I, we must obey our God-given calling. What has God called you to do? 
Are you running away from that call just as I did? Does God want to use you as an instrument of his salvation? Don't reject the calling of the Lord upon your life. Today, he might be calling you to be saved, to receive salvation. Don't reject that call. Today, he might be calling you to go from this place and be an instrument of salvation, to deliver his gospel. Don't deny that call either. Yahweh is a pursuing God. Yahweh is a saving God. And Yahweh is a compassionate God. I learned this lesson after my time in the belly of the fish. You see, God wanted his people to reflect his heart of mercy and compassion for those who are not like us, those who do not know him, those who are not in covenant relationship with him. After three days and three nights in the belly of that fish, the Lord commanded the fish to vomit me onto dry land. Can you imagine what I looked like? I must have looked awesome. My clothes were bleached. I had spots all over my skin. My hair was gone. And it's still gone. It'll never grow back, unfortunately. <laughs> and boy, imagine what I smelled like. I smelled like bagoong and patis. You guys like the smell of that? Yes, some of you do, but imagine bathing in that for three whole days. People would pay attention to you if you smelled like that, if you looked like me. And so God gave me a second chance, and he gives you a second chance, and a third chance, and a fourth chance. Aren't you, aren't you glad that God hasn't given up on you? And so he gave me another chance to deliver his message to Nineveh, to declare to them the word of the Lord. This time, this time I did. I did what the Lord called me to do. I went to that great city of Nineveh and I preached a message and I told them, in 40 days, Nineveh, you will be overthrown. What a positive message that must have heard. They must have heard, right? It, it was not very hopeful. It was a message of doom. And yet, you know what happened? When these Ninevites heard the message that I proclaimed, they believed it, and they repented. I didn't preach this feel-good message of hope and prosperity. I didn't perform any wonderful signs or miracles. I just smelled like fish. And I didn't even really care about these people. I actually wanted my prophecy to come to pass, you see. But like I said, my God, he is a pursuing God. My God, he is a saving God. My God, he is a compassionate God. And when I delivered this message, they repented and God relented of the, disaster, of the disaster that he was going to bring upon them. He spared their lives. Now, how did I respond to God when he showed compassion on my enemies? I got mad. I got upset at God. I was furious at God. I couldn't understand why God would be so merciful, 
Why would God be so compassionate about the Assyrians, the enemies of his people? But I knew that this was his character. I knew that God was slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And that's why I didn't want to obey him in the first place. I knew that if the Ninevites had repented, God would have, would have spared their lives, and I didn't want that to happen. But now that he had forgiven my enemies, I wanted to die. And when you hear my story, all you need to do is shake your heads and wonder, what is going on with this prophet? What is eating Jonah? I mean, a whale or a fish ate me, but um, what's eating me on the inside? What is going on? Why am I being so negative about what God is doing? Here's how bad my negativity was. Uh, you guys probably have a favorite verse in the Bible. It's a, it's a verse that, that you recite over and over again. And you pick the good ones, right? The ones that talk about blessings and God's promises upon your life. And you keep it close to your heart. Well, here's what my verse was, my life verse. I said it twice. It is better for me to die than to live. It is better for me to die than to live. You want to put that on a mug? You want to put that on a bookmark and sell it? It is better for me to die than to live. That is not a good life verse to have, folks. What a hard-headed prophet I was. It should have been enough for me to learn my lesson in the belly of the fish, but God kept reminding me over and over again that he was a compassionate God. That great fish was God's instrument of salvation for my life. And in turn, I was supposed to be an instrument of salvation for the lives of the Ninevites, my enemies. But when God called me to do that, I didn't think it was fair. I was angry at God. I was bitter at God. And God taught me that day that his compassion is his and his alone. What right did I have to control the fate of this wicked city of Nineveh? I had no right. Only God had the right to control whether they were to be saved or destroyed. And you know what he chose to do? He chose to save them. You see, you and I are no different from the Ninevites. We too have done evil in the sight of the Lord. We too have worshipped false gods. We too have turned away from the true God. And we have failed him over and over again. And yet God is slow to anger. And he is rich and abounding in faithful love. He pursues you. He saves you. And his compassion is endless upon you. We do not deserve any of it. Today, my friends, you and I live in the new covenant where God has given his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to be the once and for all sacrifice for our sins, to save us from our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be part of the family of God. And even today, whenever we find ourselves running away and messing up and failing, God delights in bringing us back to himself. He pursues us 
when we go astray. He, he loves it when we repent. He's a God of, of compassion and grace. Scripture tells us, when God saw how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction that he had threatened. Friends, no one, can, no one deserves the compassion of God. We cannot buy it. We cannot earn it. And yet God is patient with us, and he gives us a second chance, and a third chance, and a fourth chance. Some, some of us are on our dozen chances already. And, and, and all he wants us to do is to stop running, stop hiding, and take a step back in the right direction. And he's challenging, he's challenging you and I today to be instruments of his salvation, to be instruments of his blessing to those who are not like you. Many of you know people who do not know the love of God. He has called you today when you exit this building to be that instrument of love to those people who do not know it. Amen? Would you stand with me and let us pray? Worship team, you can come back to the stage. We're gonna sing that song again, Reckless Love. And the message of this, that song captures the heart of the book of Jonah. You see, if you've been running away from God, if you've been trying to hide from him, and if you want to experience his mercy and compassion, then you are not alone. I stand here with you. I want to come back to God. I want to respond to him. I want to recognize that he is pursuing me day after day, and he pursues you too. Some of you need to receive salvation this morning. Some of you need to receive the free gift of forgiveness in your life. And God offers it to you this morning. So would you receive that? Some of you just need to come back to him. You need to cry out to God, deliver me, rescue me from the, the pit that I'm in. And he will. So call on the name of the Lord and he will answer you this morning. Let's pray. And if that's you, if you need to be included in this prayer, raise your hands and let me pray over you. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, Yahweh God who pursues us, Yahweh who saves us, Yahweh who shows compassion on us. You are slow to anger. You are patient, and your love abounds. It is reckless. We cannot fathom your love. God, you see our hearts today, and you know our thoughts, and you know our lives. Nothing is hidden from your sight. And you're calling us today, Lord, to come back to you. Some of us, you're calling to receive your gift of salvation. Some of us you're calling to be an instrument of blessing, to deliver your message to those outside of this church. 
And so I pray for all of us who have blatantly disregarded your word. I pray for all of us who've been trying to run and hide from your presence. Get our attention today. Pursue us this morning. Rescue us. Deliver us. Save us. And show us so much compassion that it overflows in and through us. May we, Lord, your church, may we be vessels of that same mercy to those who are not like us, to those who do not know you. So Jesus, we welcome you into our lives and we welcome your Holy Spirit to transform us, to renew us, and to give us a heart for the lost. Indeed, you have brought us up from the pit and salvation belongs to you and you alone, Christ Jesus, our Lord. We need your salvation today. Grant it to those who need it today. Save us from our sins. Deliver us from our past. And from this day forward, we want to follow you. No matter how hard the road, we know that you are with us. Go before us, show us our calling, and help us to obey it with all our hearts. We love you, Jesus, and we worship you right now, and it's in your name we pray, and everybody said, amen. Would you worship the Lord? Thank you for listening to audio from New Life Foursquare, located in Harbor City and Norwalk, California. Feel free to make copies of this audio to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or change the content in any way without permission. For more information, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org.